and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and today we're going to talk about a simple tool for our mental health, uh, since everyone seems to be struggling with that. And it's a children's book called Betty the Bald Chicken uh, that has been a keynote of mine forever, and it was written by myself and Scott Carlson and illustrated by Emily Lund. And... You know, I just think this is such an important topic, but today we're going to kind of flip the switch a little bit, and I'm actually going to be interviewed by Lori Peterson, who is a super advocate and professional in the area of dementia. But before we go there, I just want to welcome everyone to the show, and if you're new, Alzheimer's Speaks is about lifting all voices. That includes yours. I'm sure you've got a story to tell. Or maybe you're working on some type of um, service product or tool. Maybe you've got a blog, a YouTube channel that shares information. Maybe you're living with the disease and want to tell us what it's really like, or someone who is giving care to a person with dementia. Everyone is welcome. So reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. We'd love to hear from you. I will encourage you to go to alzheimerspeaks.com. There you can find a whole bunch of free uh, educational resource uh, services. And also if you're interested in any program or training uh, consulting, I do that as well. And um, you can also access Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory to get you on the road to care for someone with dementia. And that site is free to use. We don't ask for any personal information. It's very easy to maneuver. So go to Dementia Map. Dot com. I do want to shout out to Shamiel, who is doing five different programs in celebration of Alzheimer's Month. And uh, you can go to our page on alzheimerspeaks.com, click on the free resources, and then go down to the public events. You'll find information about that. I will be on her program on the, on the 29th. If you'd like to participate in that or any of the other ones there, uh, please feel free to do so. So as I mentioned, today is going to be a little bit different. Um, Lori Peterson is going to introduce me. So let me grab her and we'll be right back. So I told you I went to go get her. This is Lori Peterson and she has the soul of an angel. She is such a great advocate for dementia and just an overall you know, wonderful, wonderful person. And I'm honored that she's going to be interviewing me today. So Lori, you want to just give people a little bit of background on yourself, other than just the angelic view that I see you in? Well, thanks so much for the great compliments. But uh, yeah, I, I have enjoyed working in the dementia arena. Um, years back, I traveled as a, a sales and marketing director in, for Golden Living and some of my buildings that I represented, provided specialized memory care. And then in 2006, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And 
have just really accelerated my interest in awareness, Alzheimer's awareness and just dementia education. And so even though I was working as a sales and marketing director, I, I worked at um, chartering some memory loss educational networks in some of the different areas that the communities in which I worked. And so we set up these networks in Wilmer and Olivia, Redwood Falls and Benson. And then later when my work took me toward Montevideo, we, I helped set up a, a group there as well. And in uh, 2015, I was hired by CCM Health in Montevideo. I worked there as a memory care coordinator. And so I actually worked with families who were dealing with this journey and just helping them to find resources. And so um, I, I enjoyed that work very, very much, but I did have to leave due to some health concerns. But uh, I still write a memory care column for two um, newspapers out in southwestern Minnesota, and I still love helping families find resources and just to help them best support their loved one living with dementia. Well, and you were just involved in a big conference out west, too, that you coordinated and pulled together. So even though you're kind of retired from that, you're still very much involved. And that's what I that's what I love about you is you're, you're you just want to do uh, good in the world and you really share yourself freely. So I thank you for that. And I thank you for wanting to interview me today on, on Betty the Bald Chicken. So I'll let you kind of take over from here and I will become the guest. Okay, well, it's, it's, it's great to be here and, and to visit with you about this book. I know that Alzheimer's Speak Radio is your show and most people probably know your history and, and know how you've been affected by dementia. But for new listeners, Lori, why don't you just take a bit, tell us a little bit of your background and, and how you have been touched by dementia. So my formal background was I, I started working with the developmentally disabled for about nine years. Then I got burnt out of that. Um, I loved the people. It was just the work was a little bit too much. Uh, and I went into residential real estate where I identified the senior market, which back then no one even knew real estate had a senior market. <laughs> and I've always been really passionate about my elders since I was real little. I've just been fascinated by them. But in real estate, I really saw the miscommunication or the non-communication when it came to um, lifestyles of, of our elders and how they kind of got trapped in their homes. And they didn't want to lose their independence and all of that. I worked real closely with, uh, um, back then there really wasn't even much for memory care. It was just starting to come out. So it was more assisted living, market rate, nursing homes uh, that I worked with in doing a lot of education for not only their staff, but for families in terms of transitions. And there I learned so much about how we could support families. And then during this whole process, my mom started showing signs of dementia. Um, and she lived with dementia for 30 years. And I know a lot of people go, oh, that's impossible. Well, it's not. Um, we've got the autopsy to prove she had Alzheimer's, Lewy body and Parkinson's um, by the time she passed. And I just, um, I just felt, you know, really um, 
really lost. There wasn't a lot of um, resources. No one was really connecting. And so I started talking about joy and engagement, how I was doing that with my own mom. And it was actually uh, the memory care and senior housing people that encouraged me to step into this space saying, you know, you're not doom and gloom and give me your money. You're about hope and joy. And let me show you how I do it. And um, so that's kind of how I, I dipped my toe in the water back in 2009 and started with a blog and kind of haven't looked back. Wow. And we're so glad that you, you did. So when you kind of entered this dementia arena, did you always want to write a book on dementia or? Heck no. I mean, who am I? I was, I was just a frustrated daughter and I still look at myself that way. People refer to me as an expert. And, you know, to be honest, guys, none of us will ever be an expert on this disease. You know, we will, we can be knowledgeable and we can constantly be learning, but nobody is ever going to have this thing down pat. It's, it's a fluid disease. There's new ones coming on board. We're, we're learning about it all the time. So you know, when I started, absolutely not. I did not think about writing a book at all. I was thinking, does anybody even want to hear from me? I mean, that's really what I was thinking when I first stepped into this space. And I still have my days like that. You know, you just kind of go, you know, because it's just experience. And it's not now it's beyond my own experience. It's been learning from so many others. And I think that that is key in order to keep learning, because as the saying goes, when you've met one person with dementia, you know, you've met one person, but it's broader than that. You know, when you've met one care partner, you've just met one. Everyone's experience is different. Everyone's environment, um, their, their culture, their finances, all of that stuff changes what their journey is going to look like. Well, I'm guessing the idea of the book, though, came to you somehow. So what what triggered you to write the book? Well, that's kind of a weird story. I um, I had a dream one night and all I could see was this bald chicken. I could physically see this word Alzheimer's kind of going across the TV set. And then I heard it and I just kept rotating back and forth, back and forth. Well, I was probably in my 40s then. And I knew, uh, I knew enough to get up and just write whatever came to me. Otherwise, I wasn't going to get to sleep. I, that was just going to keep playing in my head. And yeah. so Betty the Bald Chicken, you know, came to me in that fashion. And then I really started using that in my keynotes in, in teaching and training uh, for many, many years. But that's, that's, how, that's how it came. Wow. So, so you wrote a children's book. I mean, that, that's... That's crazy. Yeah, it is because you think of this as an adult disease. Right. Um, Yet I'm a firm believer that, you know, we have to train our children. We have to, and not even train, we have to open the door. We have to be honest with what's going on in order for them to understand the the whole world. I was talking with someone this morning in in another interview, and we were talking about families and how parents like to protect their kids. Well, we can't protect our kids from aging and illness. They, we're, we're better off equip, equipping them with um, tools and, and, and ways to deal with that, let them be part. And so, you know, Betty the Bald Chicken, you know, you wouldn't think of that as being a, necessarily an adult story, but I, I got such 
rave reviews and still do to this day. When I do my keynotes, people would come up and say, you've got to write this book. I need to share this with my kids and my grandchildren. They need to hear this story. And so it's, um, you know, it's just been such an honor in terms of, of pulling the book together. And, um, and I've worked on it for years and years. It's gone through a couple of renditions, um, really found the, the right um, artwork to go with it. And actually, I pulled Scott Carlson in to help me uh, just get off the dime and write the dang thing, you know, so um, but it, it was it just seemed conducive to write to children and to have adults purchase the book thinking that they're going to teach the kids when I think a lot of times the kids are going to teach the adults and how they view the world and how they view being cared for or caring for others. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So I'm, I'm guessing that there were others, though, too, that encouraged you to write this book. Yeah, it it, it just kind of happened all the time. And it, I, I would beat myself up because for like 10 years, I've been going to write this book. And there was like no reason not to get it done. It just didn't seem like the right time. And, you know, this past year, like late uh, 2022, um, and then we finally launched in 23 here. Now, if you are just tuning in right now, Lori Peterson, who is just a super advocate, is interviewing me regarding my children's book, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care. And we've just kind of been setting up on how did the book come to be and a little bit of history on me. You can learn a lot more about the book itself by going to alzheimerspeaks.com forward slash books, and you'll see all kinds of um comments and quotes from people uh, regarding the book, but I'll let, uh, I'll let Lori pick it back up again. All right. Well, I'm just curious, how long did it take you to pull the book together and what, what was the process and did others help you? Sure. So like I said, I, you know, when I got the story and I was getting such a good response with my keynotes and trainings, I thought, oh, I'm going to write this book. And so I, I actually went through the university of Minnesota uh, to try to find someone to do some sketches of Betty the Bald Chicken. And uh, Harry Pulver did my first version. And I just loved them. It was, they were wonderful. And he graduated from the University of, of Minnesota, but he still came to all the, the intern workshop specials, you know, when vendors and businesses um, come in and try to meet people. And so I connected with him and I, I used his photos for, you know, my keynotes and stuff forever. And then 
I decided Betty just needed a makeover. She needed to be more feminine. She needed to, to be more like my mom. And my mom wore jewelry. She had her nails, you know, done. She would have her lipstick on and her earrings back in the day. And so I, then I, I went to another uh, internship uh, event that they had at the U of M. And then I met Emily Lund. And she was incredible. I mean, in her, her graphics, she does, she did watercolors and stuff and she really listened. And um, I just think she did a fabulous job. And that's what people say. These, these pictures are so cute, you know, in the book. And so she worked on that. And then I had talked with Scott Carlson. He had interviewed me actually a couple of times for the patch newspaper um, due to the memory cafes. And we were talking about it. And he said, well, I've helped people write books and stuff. So he and I started meeting and kind of going through things and how are we going to do this? And, you know, the book is really, it's, it's under 30 pages long. You'd think this would be a no brainer. It took us a couple of years, just meeting, going back and forth, tweaking things, getting feedback and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's been, in my mind, it's been almost a 10 year process to get where we are. So why do you think it took so long to publish this book? And and do you think that was a good thing? It did take a long time. And I didn't think it was a good thing because I was too busy with my inner critic beating myself up going, come on, get it done. Come on, get it done. You know, and it was just, I wasn't moving along. But I really think that it was a good thing. I think the world is in a very, very different place. I think, uh, I think the story is open to absolutely everyone. And and because it's not dementia specific, it can easily be used for dementia, and how somebody feels like they're an outcast and isolated and just don't fit in. But it can be used for bullying in schools, it can be used for dealing with suicide, for death, for divorce, for chronic illness. Um, There's so many times as we age throughout life, where we don't fit in. And, and I think part of our mental health problems today is we don't talk about that. Right. And so with the, the questions and stuff in the back of the book, I think really open up that conversation to say, have you ever felt like Betty? And then what do you, what do, you do to make yourself feel better? What could someone else do to make you feel better? Or when you see someone who is not being treated right or doesn't feel good, how do you help them? You know, just to have those conscious thoughts and and to realize that all of us impact one another, if we know what or not. And if we know them or not, doesn't make any difference. It could be a perfect stranger, but if we smile or have eye contact makes a difference to somebody. And that could be you smiling at them could be the best thing that's happened to them all day long. We don't know someone else's story. So, you know, I think the book is just a real non-threatening way to open up conversations and not keep things hidden. I think emotions are normal. And I think we get in trouble with how we react to them. And if we can have these conversations, those emotions aren't going to bubble up and come out sideways. Well, you know, in fact, you've taken the words out of my mouth because I was surprised when I first looked at the book, Betty the Ball Chicken. And, you know, Given your background and and being so involved in dementia, I I was a little surprised that it wasn't dementia specific. However, just like you mentioned, it's such a good book 
for for all people, whether people didn't fit in or you know some of the some of the individuals that you have already mentioned, what do you think are maybe the top five audiences that this book would be best for? You know, it's really hard to limit because I think the more you use something like that, the the broader you see the use of it. But anybody dealing with a chronic illness, and that includes dementia, I think for parents and grandparents and friends who want to support a child or a friend in terms of making them feel better. You know, it's a way that we can express how we care for them in that conversation. It can open up the door to ask them, how can I help you? How can you help me in a very non-threatening way? I think teachers, they're dealing with bullying, they're dealing with isolation, they're dealing with suicides and and shootings and all these traumas that are happening in our schools. Uh, We need to be able to talk about that in What's happening at home? Are they being supportive or are they just trying to put on a smiley face for the rest of the public? People need to be able to be their authentic self and not feel ashamed. I think counselors and clinics could easily use this. And I've heard from several psychologists saying the same thing, you know, divorce, ageism, disability, racism, ageism, um, just competition in general, you know, when you just aren't sure. And then of course, libraries. So it has more public access or story times and things. So I, I really think it, I really do think it's endless. It, it's up to us to be creative on how can we use this? And what is, what is your individual kind of passion that you think somebody needs help with where they don't fit in? I, I think that it can be applied. It can be a one-on-one. It can be a group discussion. There's lots of different ways to go with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you have other ideas for your book? Well, you know, I'd love to get this book into the schools. And, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, how are we going to do that? Because I do think that it could be just a wonderful tool for schools to, to get those conversations started. You know, the, the psychologists all say they come in every day and there's a line down the hallway of kids that they need to meet with. This is something that could be, you know, sent home where families could have conversations, everybody could kind of be pulled in and giving them a tool because it really, I see the book as a tool. I don't see it just as a book to read. It's simple enough to do and it can be read by children. It can be read by an adult. It can be read by both. I mean, there's so many different ways to do this. It can be, you know, presented on a screen if you've got a larger group. I mean, there's just, it's, it's endless, but getting those voices to talk about this, you know, I've, I've used Betty the Bald Chicken, not in book form, but in story form in schools before. So mm-hmm. I have talked um, many, many times with junior high and high schoolers. And it's kind of been interesting because I, I wrap it up in a, in a whole different package. So I start out kind of with uh, it being an ageism thing. And I have them do a lot of games during this process. So it might be trying to pick money up with with, uh, ski gloves on or trying to write with different size pens with the ski gloves or putting popcorn in their shoes or um, having them trying to read with with glasses on that aren't meant for them. So we get some bimotor skills. We get some pain in there. uh, And then we play games uh, 
as far as defining an older person and them being the older person, defining a teenager and going, are these accurate? And the conversations that come out of that are, are pretty amazing. Um, we do a game uh, where they one student shoves their mouth full of marshmallows and then I have them read a poem and then I kind of cackle them from the back and say, you know, enunciate, talk louder, we can't hear you. And the class, you know, it's a safe safe space and the class is kind of giggling and stuff. But then we break it down after the fact of how did you feel and how did your body react to that? Because we've all been that person who has been pointed out and maybe attacked or bullied. And we know what that feels like. Our heart races, we start sweating. Um, we're not as comfortable with our words. We're fighting back tears. I mean, all of those things are happening. And this is just in a safe environment. You know, so we talk about those kinds of things. We talk about the impact that we have on one another. And especially for the older kids in junior high and high school, you know, many of them have experienced uh, losing a, a friend or a, a fellow student to suicide. And why did that happen? Were right. there signs of that? And many of them will say, yes, you know, there were signs. And so how do we deal with those signs? How do we step in and befriend somebody or get them help um, without, without looking at ourselves as being a snitch? We're here to help one another. It's not about being a snitch. It's about someone struggling and understanding that and coming from an authentic place of caring. So I think there's just so many different ways to be able to, to deal with this in a group or as a family, you know, how are we going to care for a loved one? You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's another conversation or in a support group. Um, it's very simple, but again, the questions I think are really key to the educational tool part of the book. And people say, well, it doesn't really have an ending. It's like, cause everyone's ending is different. Right. You know, at the end, we talk about, are you going to be a barnyard uh, animal that has chose to walk away from somebody in need? Or are you going to be part of the caring corral who steps in, steps up and doesn't judge, just accepts and supports them? And I, I always tell people, we all have the choice. And, and, and I really don't care who you are sitting in the audience right now. We all have a choice every moment that we can make. Who are we going to be? Who are we going to be in that moment? We don't have to be who we've always been if we don't want to. And, you know, sometimes we're just not going to have the bandwidth and we are going to be a barnyard animal. So acknowledge that and, and acknowledge why that is. You know, is it a conscious choice because you just want to be mean and nasty? Or is it because I'm just overwhelmed myself and I'm a little too stretched to do that? that there's a big difference there in terms of how we live with our guilt um, because we all live with guilt. If we want to admit it or not, it's there, you know, in the background. So it's just getting us to kind of reframe what are the possibilities and what could life look like if we were all a little kinder? Well, it's an incredible story with such a powerful message. And, uh, you know, we visited before. I, I, I wish you all the best with this and, and if any way I can help to get that word out, um, it, it needs to get in the hands of people. Because like you commented, the, the, the ending with those questions to ponder and thoughts to, to discuss just uh, opens up a whole, whole nother avenue 
to making it such a great book to share. So I, I'm I'm grateful that you uh, that this all came to be, and that you followed your heart and and have made this happen because oh. it's a great great story. It's written by a, a wonderful person who's got a wonderful heart, and uh, I'm just excited for the world to get to see it. Betty the Ball Chicken. It's got lessons for all of us. Well, thank you, Lori. That means that means a lot. You know. Um... In the future, I hope to write another book um, that it will be more of a, it, it probably won't be as open as, as this one is in terms of a child's book and how to use it. But I, I have a story called As the Cookie Crumbles. Mm -hmm. And people go, well, that's kind of negative. And I'm like, it is, but it, it, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, that's kind of where we start, but that's not where we end up. And, and what does that look like? So it's really about how to create joy, how to maintain connections. And it's all through storytelling and lessons I learned and exercises um, that I can share with people in order to reframe, I, I think, our mindsets to one of a heart set and to take the complicated out of this, out of this journey without people setting us up to think it's even harder you know, or that, you know, we need to be an expert, or we need to have a certification, all those things are nice. But 99% of the population can't afford to do that doesn't have the time to do it doesn't have the interest, they just want to know, how do I survive my day to day life? And how do I how do I make things better for who I'm caring for, as well as myself? Well, that sounds like an equally wonderful book. And a little part of me hopes that it doesn't take quite as long to get out to us because <laughs> I'm anxious to see that as well. But as you mentioned, you know, everything has a perfect timing. And, uh, but uh, I do believe that's going to be a great message to share as well. So I'm just, I'm just tickled to be part of this and uh, I just wish you well and, and uh, hope that we can get this, this book out to people that they can see, see the good work that has been put into it. And I thank you for partnership and wanting to help me get this book out too into the world. If anybody has a connection with Dolly Parton, we're looking for that one for her, <laughs> her foundation that she has. She just does a wonderful job. Or if you're connected to a library or teacher or a counselor, please let them know about Betty's Bald Chicken. I, I really do think it will help a lot of people. And again, you can just access that. I mean, you can find it on Amazon, you know, or Barnes and Noble, or you can go to the website to learn more alzheimerspeaks.com forward slash book. And you'll be able to see what people have been saying about the book um, in and of itself. So again, Lori, thank you for taking the time to interview me today. In wrapping up, I hope you found this conversation interesting. I'm still kind of in shock that the book is out after 10 years <laughs> of kind of working on it. And I want to thank, you know, Scott Carlson and Emily Lund for, for their work in the book as well. And as always, I'm going to ask you to like, click and share this because you don't know who in your sphere is not feeling like they fit in or knowing somebody who's struggling in this book, I really think can help. So be a giver of hope, just like click and share, spread the word. That's, that's the easiest way for all of us to learn more in a non-threatening fashion is to, you know, learn something through a friend. 
So again, thank you so much for, for joining us, everyone. And again, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com forward slash book, um, or you can go directly to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and just put in Betty the Bald Chicken uh, lessons in how to care and uh, we will pop up. And if you have any questions for me um, or if you're looking for a reading, I've got a training program that goes with this as well. Just email me at lori at alzheimerspeaks.com. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.